0: When it comes to some significant transformational change in the workplace, there are certain issues that become sticking points for organisations. So, we need new approaches to tackle them. One such approach is to use gameplay to shift our behaviours. By playing games within teams, we can demonstrate how the business could be running more efficiently and how each and every one of us could be playing a more significant role within that framework. My special guest today on the podcast is Jason Tempaki, who co-founded an organization called Amble Studio, with the intention of using games to help organizations create and grow together more purposefully. By introducing specific gameplay into the workplace, they've seen organizations achieve more together and have a better understanding of one another as a result. And so today, it's all about playtime. I'm James Lush, and this is Purpose and Vision. You're listening to Purpose and Vision, the podcast that digs deep into
1: why and how companies are making a greater impact in our world by focusing on profit and purpose. This is the podcast that tells the stories and inspires us all to think differently about business today. This is um, really, really important um, to talk about because I think the, it's very, very easy to conflate sort of games with something that's just trivial, by something that I just do for fun. Um, or, you know, often games are specifically read as um, vehicles for competition. Again, nothing bad with that, but um, we're but I'm much more interested in, again, coming back to the values thing, we're much more interested in the relationship of games and play to how humans um, interact together. Um, interact well together, have fun together, create together, improvise together. Um, and, you know, in, in that sort of sense, it, I guess, you know, if you want to quote the folks who have thought about this sort of stuff in the past, you know, it's the Hoyt singers of the world and the Roger Calois who, who, who talk about play and gameplay as something that's intrinsic to, to being human. Um, and it's that, that sort of element that we were really interested in um, elaborating on. And in the collaboration and human-centered design space and um, facilitation space, that sort of um, using vehicles that enable people to um, be the best versions of themselves is something that's very common. And so we're taking... We, we, we sought to take a very, very thin slice of that, i.e. specifically the vehicle of games, um, to show how you could um, enhance some of these sort of people capabilities, etc.
0: Mm, okay, now... Talk it through using an example of when uh, a company that might have some issues and problems around its people, or its culture or whatever might come and say, can you create something that is going to tweak that for us?
1: If you imagine an organisation that has had um, enormous amounts of trouble uh, coordinating their um, planning cycle. Because um, reasonably sized organisation, very, very complex, um, multiple uh, BUs that have competing drivers, um, reasonably big uh, set of exec staff that don't often have time to connect with one another and communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. So you often get decisions being made in one part of the organisation that aren't particularly aligned to another part of the organisation. How do you sit a whole bunch of, um, you know, very, very successful people down and say, well, you know, we have to talk about what the difference between individualization, uh, individual maximisation and um, uh, group maximisation is? You know, what does it mean to play for the team versus play for the company? Mm-hmm. Now, you could sit down and have a conversation about, um, well, let me explain what prisoner's dilemma is and, you know, how um, if I individually maximise it, ends, it ends in the worst group um, outcome, whereas if we think about the best group outcome, we might take a small hit individually but we end up with the best collective outcome. Now there's, you know, you could roll out all of the, um, uh, the the theory around that and you could, you know, explain it very rationally to people or you could allow them to actually play some of that sort of stuff out. So get um, a group of, um, you know, uh, execs that may not have a bunch of opportunity to be together um, and as at the beginning of a um A session that's designed to help them do some um, forward planning you could play a game um, called win as much as you can which is about um, it's essentially just taking prisoners dilemma and exploring the dynamics that are in that but in the act of doing that so in the act of having a module or a game or a platform um, that people can engage with and compete in and try and score points with it, it, it serves a bunch of purposes Um, Rather than specifically talking about um, a culture that seeks to individually maximise or trying to point fingers at, you know, people (laughs) within a group that that do that, it allows all the members to explore how that kind of dynamic plays out. It allows all the um, members to try different ways that you can kind of get around this conundrum that says, well, you know, how do I not feel like I have to give up something in order for the group to benefit? Um, you know, it provides a context in, and, and, an, and an alternate language or a metaphor for people to engage with um, that represents or simulates the, the root dynamics of the real problem. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And there's something um, very, very powerful in that. Some You know, the folks in the facilitation collaboration space sometimes refer to that kind of thing as indirection um, or allowing um, the mask to talk about what the people can't. Yeah. But you know, there's something, um, it, you know, it, it's, meant, it's it's also an opportunity to just model, build together and say, oh, hang on, I didn't realise that this was actually something that we did as a group and well, wouldn't, we, mm. wouldn't it be interesting to explore how we could avoid that kind of thing in our everyday life?
0: It's very smart because the change happens without them realising. The The observations come without them realising and I would imagine it creates much more empathy within parts of the organisation.
1: Well, absolutely. When you can see the effect of um, the type of, um, you know, when, when you can see the dynamic actually play out in real time, yeah. and you can learn very really. Oh, wow! You know, when I, it's really cool. I feel really cool when I, um, I maximise and I cheat my friends, you know, and I turn over an X when we've all agreed to play Y. But I can also see the the group outcome when we tally up the points. The groups that um, did well were those that agreed to act in a particular way and then held themselves to that. Um, action. They maintained accountability. They, you know, shared information openly. They were transparent about their intention. All, all of these sorts of things are, um, you know, great cultural conversations that may not happen um, if you didn't have the opportunity to put them, you know, to raise them in a context that was safe.
0: Yeah. Do you find that if you start working with an organisation on said problem, you know, there is one problem that you just described there. So we start on that. Does that then open their eyes to? everything else within the organisation that will then be impacted by that, that will hopefully have changed also as a result of this game?
1: Wow, James, that's an interesting question. Um, look, I think at a um, theoretical level, if you were to talk about, um, you know, the importance of changing the ways that we work within the context of organisations as being a key to genuine transformational change happening, um, which just makes rational sense we know that this is the case um the industrial post-industrial model has suited us well for a long period of time but there's a whole bunch of um challenge in the contemporary uh complex marketplace that you know isn't resolved by that and if you're talking more generally about introducing leaders and you know workers and people in general to the idea that we need to do things like have an open mindset um be be open to learning understand that um collaboration is actually more important than one person having the right answer mm. um, if you're trying to you know express all of these sorts of ideas then potentially by seeing how it caches out in a game context and then seeing how that carries out into a particular um, decision making problem it could have the knock-on benefit of progressively changing culture but I mean I think that's a um, it would be a, a broad, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it would be a very, very broad way to draw, do you know what
0: I mean? Yeah, well, I, I just think that generally speaking, once you've seen something, once you've experienced it, felt it, you know, kind of tasted the the, 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 the drink, you, you you don't lose that. You've you've seen it in action. And therefore, if you've seen it in X, then you'd think, well, maybe this will happen in Y too. But it almost sounds like you've got to do Y as well and Z as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that is the challenge. In, in terms of genuine change and, you know, organisational transformation, it's one thing to kind of um, challenge our mindsets and go, okay, um, right, so there's ways of um, working, ways of operating that we probably need to um, revise, but it's another then to go back to the workplace that's been set up to, you know, reward and incentivize a whole bunch of ways of getting stuff done yeah. and, in fact, ways that have made us very successful for a long period of time and continue that kind of action you know so you know in in ongoing um organizational change you want you know groups of people to experience this together you want those sorts of um patterns and and ways of working and and, um, approaches to thinking about challenges constantly um validated constantly practiced constantly refined and i think you do find that in market at the moment i mean you know the um shift into progressively more and more agile organizational um, spaces is possibly an example of that, you know, yeah. Yeah. changing the way we work, but then also changing our organization to support the structures that enable us to continue working in, in, that, in that way.
0: Do you find that um, it then plays out? Uh, and I'm interested in you know you and your colleagues here. You know, once you've implemented a game for an organisation that is, you know, has this desire to change it, it, the way it operates, you know, in a more purposeful way. Do you find that once the game has been played, then that that then plays out in in real life for them? They start to become a very different entity.
1: It certainly gives you the the initial. Um Common language to begin talking about challenges that matter. Okay, um, yeah. you know, and I think that's the that's the foundational kind of point. There's a there's a bunch of work that's going to be required after that to you know take that learning and embed it into something that's ongoing. To take yeah. that learning and you know share it with others within the organisation to um, you know take a particular set of realisations and then make them concrete. By physically changing the way we incentivise work, or structure our processes, or you know um, uh, look after our people, but I think there is definitely value in 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 setting up in you know finding ways to open up that dialogue, and if games are one of them that can bring it. Um, more easily to people, then, you know, we're going to keep trying to make them, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, good for you. Uh, What about the size of the issue that you're tackling? Let's just use this example. We are, as we'll all know, we're in this sort of moving from one old world to a a new world, and we're sort of stuck in the murky, difficult middle at the moment as we have one one foot in both camps. How would you... Work with an organization that had a leadership team, uh, a board, all all unified in saying, right, we're going to be doing something ambitious. We're going we're to go for a net zero target of, um, uh, you know, five years, 10 years or whatever it might be. But we also know that there are certain parts of the organization that will absolutely resent the fact that we're going to have to do some radical stuff to get there. OK, <laughs> yes. so this is a big, big, wicked problem within yes. an organization. Is that too big for gameplay? I would be
1: very, very cautious um, in in, to suggest that any one intervention, you know, that um, any one thing is going to um, solve a complex problem is going to, you know, solve a wicked challenge. The whole um, purpose of um, one of the things that motivates um, us to bring uh, gameful design into ways of working is that the sorts of challenges that exist, large. Um, multi-systemic, multi-actor, complex, wicked challenges, as you put them, those sorts of challenges um, are only going to be solved by the relevant folks coming together um, across organisational boundary, across government, across you know industry, across wherever it happens to be, across different layers of the organisation, come together, align around what it is they're going to do, Um, design the way that they're going to work towards um, doing it but then maintain a way of working for long enough for something good to emerge and this is the challenge with um, sort of often big bang approaches to to transformation you get a bunch of smart people come in drop you a a strategy and say well here's all the here's all the answers the truth is that, that that answer is not going to realize itself for you know three four maybe five years and how do you hold people together how do you Keep people motivated, keep people working effectively. How do you keep people enthusiastic yeah. about um, this sort of change and with their eyes on the goal for long enough for something for the change to actually happen? We definitely believe that gameplay is one aspect of, of um, encouraging good ways of working. So how you can get a group of people, you know, doing things like creating a shared narrative, agreeing to play together in a particular way, adhering to a set of um, rules or values, whatever you would like to call. Um, You know, gameplay is one way of sort of doing that and doing it by design, intentionally designing the way you're going to do these things together, I think is um, equally important. Not doing it by default, so doing it unconsciously or doing it just based on a model that's worked in the past, but, you know, specifically designing, you know, something that's built for the people who are going to be um, delivering. And I think that sort of stuff's um, yeah, important. So my, my, I guess the long and short answer is, yes, we believe that games and gameplay and gameful design um, are very important to um, enabling people to explore hmm. how they can work and collaborate more effectively together. And working and collaborating more effectively together leads to ongoing transformational change. Nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Talk me through an example of a character or characters that as a result of the gameplay completely changed their attitude to what it was that they were holding within, you know, that sort of entrenched view or, you know, that that sort of, well, you know, this is the way I am, I'm not going to change, I'm clearly right in what I'm thinking, everyone else is wrong. Give me some examples of how um, (laughs) you've seen them completely overturned as a result of going through gameplay.
1: If you can um, show (laughs) or demonstrate how a group of people when they have the opportunity to um, explicitly engage in a um, you know uh, and transparently engage with a a series of processes and talk about how they engage with a problem together and have the space and time to align around what it is that they're doing and what it means for them individually Um, you know if you can demonstrate the value of that through gameplay then it allows the people who are involved in that simulation to go, well, maybe there is something in that. Maybe there is something about bringing more of our people on a particular journey. Maybe there is something about enabling, you know, um, more autonomy and decision-making across our organisation. Maybe there is something about being more transparent about our um, about the changes that are going on and what it is that we're trying to achieve. Mm. So you, you, it definitely sets up the context for a different kind of conversation. D- by d- d- demonstrating...
0: I'm just using that. Does it help certain individuals who may have been very (laughs) entrenched in a viewpoint to suddenly go, oh, I see where you're coming from now. That makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: I, I think definitely so. I mean, it's not uncharacteristic in events like that to hear, "Oh, John, that's just like you." <laughs> or, you know, like <laughs> uh, imagine if you'd given us the the imagine if we'd shared the information last time that that decision might have been a bit easier. And again, <laughs> gotcha. you, you're using a um a platform, um you know, to you're engaging people in a in an activity, in a in gameplay that makes it safe for them to talk about some of the you know challenges that they're actually facing. And I think, you know, there is something very, very powerful in that.
0: No, without doubt, it, because you're enabling someone to not be, you know, uh, put in the corner and say, you're wrong. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're doing it through game, exposing it for themselves, for them, to, for, the, for them to see it themselves.
1: Yes. And the other thing that's important about that, especially from a facilitation and a collaboration perspective, is you might with good intention – um, as people and change, um, you know, uh, experts come in with a very, very a reasonably clear idea of, you know, what the sort of cultural challenges facing an organisation are and, you know, the steps that need to be taken to um, remedy that. But unless the people who, um, you know, are involved in that decision-making, unless the people who then have to carry that kind of belief back into an organisation um, have a deep understanding of that for themselves and a deep, you know, belief in the value of engaging in a particular way, it's just going to be going through the motions. The the thing about gameplay is it's um is it's a way for people to explore the sorts of challenges um, that that you might be interested in exploring with that group for themselves, yeah, and to generate insight for themselves yeah. around the kinds of things that are going to help um, in that sort of challenging sort of sort of scenario. And that's, I think, you know, really what um it's all about because you know. I think, you know, enabling people to um, own um, understanding and co-design kind of solutions and, you know, really be a part of what it is, you know, people support what they help to create and helping provide a platform for people to do that. Is um yeah, it's really rewarding, you know. Rather than having to be an expert and tell people what they should do, providing a context um, in which they can explore that themselves and come up to their own decisions is yeah, it's a
0: real, really, really rewarding. I bet it is very smart. Now let, let's just talk very briefly about the, the future and your 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 hopes for this organisation that's just organically growing as we uh, as as we go through each day and each project that you're working on. W- what the what do you think is the potential for this? In purpose-led businesses, how can it increase the speed with which they get there? Do you think
1: one thing that needs to happen as we move into you know genuine transformational spaces for organisations is we need to get better at um, doing all the human stuff better. So that is you know working together, communicating, um, sharing, understanding. Um, you know, and then doing some more productive things like doing group prioritisation, um, learning how to co-design together, uh, learning how to share information effectively, doing all these sorts of things. Without a doubt, transformation spaces that invest in these kinds of capabilities are ones that um, tend to um, succeed more often. I think mm-hmm. it would be unwise to say that, you know, it's a guarantee. I think, um, you know, this sort of complex transformation that's sort of um, sweeping market at the moment, you know, is reasonably new. This is something that we're all learning through. But, again, if learning through these complex environments are things that we should be doing, wouldn't it be useful to have a bunch of games that teach us how to better learn together? Um, You know, like, or make that that kind of discourse accessible to people. So, you know, our value proposition is based on this deep-seated belief that, If people have access to um, these sorts of capabilities and have the ability to explore how these sorts of capabilities can play out and help them work more effectively together, it is going to benefit um, organisations going forward. It is going to help people get work done more effectively.
0: It's good news, and, and it's still relatively untapped. It's still a new way of doing it, which which I love. Um, I, I I wish you all the best, you and your team, with this. Um, in closing, I want to see where you're going to. Um, you're going to send us on another game, uh, another game of finding someone else to talk to, Jason. <laughs> sure. Um, as we do on Purpose and Vision, I always leave it up to the the, the guests that we're speaking to to say where do we go next. I know you like organic progress, so um, <laughs> it's in your hands now.
1: Sure. Look, I would. Um Um, I I would love to introduce you to uh, Liz Cameron-Smith, who's a colleague of mine from my previous um, corporate engagement um, through PwC's The Difference. Liz um, took the methodology of the collaboration and co-design methodology that they use um, in that context and has um, spun up an organisation called the Impact Assembly, um, which still exists within PwC, but it is PwC's not-for-profit arm that seeks to do collective impact work. yeah, which is doing that, just that, helping people work more effectively together um, on important challenges.
0: I like that. And I like the fact that it's um, within an organisation that's been established for multiple years doing it in a certain way. And they have a little unit, which is sort of, I suppose, testing whether it's it's the right model that they've been using.
1: Yeah, um, there's something um, very, for, for me, James, I think pragmatically, it's important to acknowledge that. I think you know, earlier when we were talking offline, we were talking about you know, the dual operating system. Yeah. If you want genuine tra- change in, a, in an environment, what do you do, do you just blow up the old model? Well, you know, there's a lot of um, resource, there's a lot of you know, investment in these sorts of things. You know, most of our processes exist around the contemporary way organizations are structured. As a consequence, how do you um, begin doing the organizational experiments that allow you to learn and progressively transition mm. into new ways of working and new organisational models, and I think um, the Impact Assembly is a very, very um, good example of of that happening in the in the real world. As much as Amble's a a um, go at doing it from the ground up, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's very interesting to explore that idea of running two operating systems at the same time. Liz will be wonderful to talk about that. But your your take on that, just before we close, you know, from, from a, a gut instinct perspective as to where we are currently in, in the business world, do you think that's the smartest way in which we can potentially shift out of a, an operating system that has served us up until this point pretty well, but it's time for a change?
1: Look, I think potentially, I think... Pragmatically speaking, you know, that's where the majority of folks spend their time. If you look at the most dominant institution um, on the planet, it is the corporate organisation. They wield an inordinate amount of capability, influence, power, um, economics and market. Why wouldn't we seek to work with those sorts of structures to get stuff done? And certainly I I, I can say, you know, you know, and this is not just being a PwC alum, I can I can definitely say that in the 10 years that I was within the context of the firm, the sorts of um, organisational transformation that goes on is probably not possible in an organic ground up kind of way, um, simply because it requires a vast amount of capability, um, a vast amount of being able to rally the necessary resource, um, have influence in the right kind of conversations, etc. And that is something that contemporary organisations are set up to enable. If you can um, harness that kind of, um, uh, those kinds of structures and give them the tools that are required to sort of transition into new modes of working and new ways of kind of thinking about strategic challenges or economic challenges or policy challenges, et cetera, then I think it's possibly, it's at least a good place to start. I mean, we also need all the experiments out there of people doing it from the ground up so that we can learn. And, you know, who knows where the good ideas are going to come from in a complex environment. But, yeah, let's try it all, all at the same time.
0: I do <laughs> concur. And, and the idea of experimentation through gameplay is exactly a, a fine place to start. It's fascinating talking to you, Jason. I really appreciate it. It's not a world that I normally um, spend much time in. I have to say that the gaming world is, is, is not my space. But to hear it done so effectively in the workplace and changing people's behavior and making them think differently, making them work together differently and doing all that through gameplay is super smart. I really like it and uh, I appreciate the fact that you've opened my eyes and hopefully others to it. Thanks very much for having us on board,
1: James. It's um, appreciated. Please stay in touch with Amble Studio. We would, we
0: would love to be in
1: conversation with you, sir.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, let's just get the, the, the contact, how, how people can make contact with you. Where do we find you? Sure. I mean, you can find Amble Studio at
1: amble.studio. Um, and for those of you who are interested in um, a really simple... Uh, team building game we've um, released uh, our first one free to market for anybody um, practitioners to use and to just enjoy and see if they get any value from it it's called green hollow and it's a uh, team building game that talks about um, how we need to work together for success
0: clever okay and uh, a personal contact to you on twitter or anything like that for people
1: Sure. Um, uh, Amble.studio is on Twitter. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, just Jason uh, Tampaki at uh, LinkedIn. I also have a Twitter, but that's been quite uh, quiet for some time now, James. It's um, <laughs> something I've been meaning to return to. But, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's not something that I've been um, active in, in, in tweeting about recently. Don't worry.
0: We'll find you. Jason, thanks for Thank your you time. Sir. All the very best. Oh,
1: you've been listening to Purpose and Vision. For more details about this podcast, go to the website purposeandvisionpodcast.com or find us on Facebook at Purpose and Vision, on Instagram, Purpose.vision, and on Twitter at Purpose Vision One. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and perhaps you'd be kind enough to rate the show. This will help others find it. Just go to where you download your podcast and enter a review. Thank you so much.